Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. Today is National No One Eats Alone Day. And when I found that out, my mind immediately went to my dear friend, Nancy Hillman, who is the founder of Common Ground Cafe, a unique place that allows people to come and eat a delicious, healthy meal in an environment that is safe and friendly. I knew that I had to interview Nancy and let her share this beautiful nonprofit with you. I'm very excited for you to hear what she has to say, not only about the cafe and the nonprofit, but about food and conversation, the importance of having dinner with your family around the table, device free. She will bring up some very interesting statistics about the power of family dinner that just may surprise you. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so glad you could be here today. Thank you so much, Sarah. It is a pleasure being here with you. Well, Nancy and I go back um, a few years. We'll just leave it at that. We don't want to go any farther than that, but we have known each other for quite some time. We both started in a nonprofit realm. That's how we both connected. So Nancy um, was not at the organization where I was anymore, but I knew of her and she came to visit often. So we would connect that way. And then um, yes, she decided to launch uh, her own nonprofit, which I helped with in some ways, but we'll get into that in a minute. So at this point, I just want people to get to know you a little bit, Nancy, so maybe share a little about you and your background, and we'll take it from there. Sounds great, Sarah. Um, Yes, we have known each other for a little minute, but um, I'm just a hometown girl from Shelby, North Carolina. I graduated from Shelby High, and When I got finished with school, I went into the military and I did a short time there. And when I came out, I started working at the insurance company and I was a claims adjuster. And it just seemed as if, even though I was making good money and I had a two-year-old daughter at the time as a single parent, I just felt like there was something that was missing. And I started volunteering at that time with the organization that you were referring to. And I was there for about 10 years. And um, after I left there, I went to another nonprofit, worked with homeless. And it just seemed like I've enjoyed working in a community. I enjoyed meeting people. And it seemed like I kind of connected with individuals that were, um, they might have been classified as misfits, you know, from the old Christmas story that talks about the land of the misfits. It seemed like I could relate to them because I always felt like an outsider. I always felt like I just could hide in the in the back, um, the back crowded rooms and nobody would notice me, you know, and I like that. I felt comfortable. But there's a lot of people that I realize that have that same mindset, but they have so much to offer. And so I like encouraging people. I like helping people to get hope because I found that hope and I just wanted to share that with them. So um, I went to school at an older age. I wouldn't recommend that for anybody, Um, but I went to school in my 40s. Even though I worked with a nonprofit, I never really got that degree. So I went back and got my social work degree, my undergraduate and my graduate degree. And it was during my graduate school that I really got the information to find out about community cafes. And that was through a organization called One World Everybody Eats. And they actually help people establish community cafes in their um, in their hometown. 
And so a community cafe is, is like an environment. Um, the person that actually created the nuts and bolts and the best practices of community cafes, her name is Denise Serretta. And what it is, she wanted to have an environment to where people can come in, have a restaurant experience, but they don't have to worry about how they're going to pay. And so she believed that everybody should have the ability to dine with dignity. And I believe in that philosophy as well. As a single parent, I remember growing up, I was um, always, my mom, I have eight brothers and sisters. And so we always had home cooked meals. So that's how I brought up my daughter. But every now and again, you just want to be able to go out and just have a nice dinner, go out to a restaurant. And financially, because I was working in the nonprofit sector, I couldn't afford that. And our biggest takeout each month was our special time each month was going to get Japanese plate and us being able to share it and renting a movie at the time. There was Redbox. And, um, and that was the highlight. We really couldn't go into a nice restaurant because I just couldn't afford it. So when I was married, I was talking to my husband and we were saying how that will be a great thing to actually start in Cleveland County. So that's where community cafe um, movement started. And that's how common ground cafe was birthed. Mm -hmm. I just, I love it. I love listening to your heart. Cause I mean, you know, we go back several years and it's just, you know, that's always been, you've always been an encourager. You've always had compassion. And I think that the, often it's true, the misfits get overlooked. You know, if yeah. you don't fit in, you're not in. Exactly. And that exactly. really makes it hard. You know, it, it, um, diminishes your self-worth. So people mm -hmm. who struggle with that, you know, they're oppressed in that sense and they pull back and they pull back. And I think you kind of brought that out too a little bit. Just because you don't fit into the crowd doesn't mean that you don't have something of value to give. Yes. And yes. I think that is, we miss that so much. There are so many people who have so many good things to say and they never get a chance. And yes. um, I, this is just how my mind works because it's an interesting mind. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always think of that clip. Um, my mom called me one time and she had seen it on TV when she was working or something. And, and she says, hey, did you hear that lady sing? And I was like, what lady? And she said, well, there was this America's or Britain's Got Talent. And this lady called Susan Boyle came on the stage. Yes. And a lot of us yes. will remember that. And I remember she had that gaudy dress on. It was just the wrong color with her black tights and her gold slippers. I mean, she just, and her fuzzy hair. And she admits it. She's, I looked terrible. Um, yes. She laughs about it later. But, you know, everybody <laughs> laughed at her. They really thought, what is she having to offer? They judged by her appearance and she blew them away with the quality yes. of her voice. And I think, I wonder in, in many senses, how many times do we do that to people every day and we write them off yes. and they come out and they're and they, someone gives them a chance and we're blown away. Like, Oh wow. We're almost embarrassed that we judge that way. And I think that yes. that is the beauty of what the Common Ground Cafe and that model represents. It's just everyone steps through that door on equal terms. On equal terms, exactly. But one of the things when we went to the trainings, before we actually started the nonprofit, my husband and I, um, we drove to Pennsylvania for one of the summits. We Once we found out about the one world that everybody eats, we saw that they had a summit um, that was coming up the following January. And we actually drove to Pennsylvania 
and we participated in that uh, summit. And so one of the classes that they had, a person that was speaking, they were saying one of the beauty, one of the beautiful aspects of community cafes is that it should be designed in such a way that no one will know what the background of each person is because everybody is treated the same. So if you have a mayor of a, a mayor of a city that's sitting, they shouldn't be anything, they shouldn't be treated any differently than the person that's just walking in off the street because they're all created the same. And that really stuck out with me because even, even the scriptural, it says that we are not supposed to treat one person any better than the other. You know, everybody should be treated equally. And that's what I like. Um, one of the one of the pop-up events that we actually had, we were at our local rescue mission and I went, me and my daughter, we went around the neighborhood and we were just inviting people to come and enjoy the meal that we had. And so we had little invites. And when we came back from walking around, we had our, the, the pop-up event had already started and there were some men that were standing out in a tree, uh, under a tree rather, not in it, but <laughs> under the tree. And, um, and I came up to them. They didn't know who I was. And so I just asked them, I said, did you guys have a chance to eat? And one of the gentlemen said, yes, if you haven't been in there, you need to go. It is so wonderful. They got it all set up with nice tablecloths and flowers and it's just so pretty and there's music in there I just love it if you haven't been in there please go in there because this it's like a fancy restaurant and he didn't know who I was he didn't know that I was one of the instrumental people that was helping make it organized and so it did me so good to know that that was the response that he had um, he had given because that was his true experience. He wasn't making it sound good. He was just being truthful. And I'm like, Lord, that's what it's about. That's exactly the experience that we wanted to create on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember I heard that story earlier and I just, I love that. I love that you strive to give them a beautiful setting. And I think kind of going back to what the other lady had said, the dine with dignity. I love that. Yes. I love yes. that phrase that, you know, and you know, food just kind of tends to, to do that to people. I don't know what it is about it, but it, it just kind of brings everybody down and common, you yes. know, you sit at a table and you enjoy a conversation. And yes. it's like food almost has that superpower that it's just yes. people enjoy the food and it brings people together. And I just, I love that. And I think, you know, when you talk about just coming to the table, the only way to truly connect is to let go of everything else. That yes. is to put your devices away. We yes. are a society that is driven. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I go to a restaurant well, when we did go to restaurants, when, you know, you would sit down and you'd watch a family and they were all on their devices. Yes. I, I just sat there and I'm like, why don't you just take it to go? Why don't you just mm -hmm. go home? Why bother sitting at a table with your own family and you're going to stare at a screen of somebody who's far away? I just couldn't process that. Exactly. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't, they might not know 
that statistics have proven that when kids are actually sitting at a table, they actually have sit-down meals, they actually become more well-adjusted. Now, this is without devices, actually have sit-down meals at a table with the family. They have um, better success in school. They have better communication skills. They have more... Um, more it's more of a chance for them to succeed and have less of a chance of them getting into trouble things of that nature um but that was a that was a study that was created years ago and i remember that when we worked at that nonprofit that we mentioned and um and that's something that's so priceless that i think it's a lost art right now, for lack of a better word, uh, we're missing out on that opportunity because we're always so busy and because we allow our kids and even adults to sit in front of the television and eat or for kids to go into the rooms and eat. And I mean, it's, we don't have that sense of connection. Um, we've lost a lot of it. Um, now, I will say that there is, I can't prove it, but I'm thinking that there might be an increased chance of that in, um, being improved since the pandemic. I don't know. There's a possibility. You know, I would love to hear about research about that because we are being forced right now to spend more time with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that is very true. Um, and I think, you know, as I was reading a magazine once and uh, it was an interior design magazine and the lady in there, she built this entire article around the idea of environment. She said, what kind of an environment do you create in your home or at a gathering? And her point was, do you make your environment a place where people feel comfortable to express themselves? And I remember just coming away thinking, wow, that's such an interesting concept that, you know, the environment plays such a big role in the freedom to share your day, to yes. be you. And I think yes. as parents, those, and I've, I've been to people's houses who do this, they, they actually have a set, this is mealtime. Yes. We don't go on our devices. We're not reading a book at the table. We're not reading our devices or, or reading the news. We are here to share our day. And that I think makes kids feel important that yes. what they have to say, parent, whether it's something silly or something that happened, because I think sometimes if you, if you know you're gonna meet with somebody, you begin to, and you know you're gonna talk about your day, you're gonna start stacking up things in your day. Yes. You're actually yes. gonna prepare things and you're, you're gonna notice things in your day like, oh, mom would like to hear about this. Dad would find this interesting. Oh, this was a funny thing. Or I felt sorry for this person or what I saw this happen. What do you think that was? Was that a good response that I saw from somebody? It creates yes. an opportunity for kids to come to their parents because you have to understand that parents are the ones that the children are looking to. They are yes. looking to the parents for guidance. And if you don't create that atmosphere where they can come to you with their problems, they're going to go somewhere else or those yes. problems will never be resolved. And we are dealing with a society of children that have never really learned how to express themselves properly, yes. how to share their different views, have different opinions. And I think all of that, people may think it's crazy, but it starts with communication at home. And it if does. you don't make that time around dinner when people are relaxed, you know, where are you going to have it? It's, it's really funny that you, that you will bring that up because um, 
in, in addition to my husband and I going to the training in Pennsylvania, we also volunteered at one of the local community cafes in Boone, North Carolina. And um, it's called Farm Cafe. And I volunteered a couple of times up there. And the funny thing about it is that when we went, uh, well, actually, I'm, my apologies. The first time it was my husband and I. The second time that I actually volunteered, it was me. And so when I went up there and I spent a few hours um, during their time, they're open, I think, from like 10, 10 to 2, something like that. So I volunteered for a shift. And one of the things that I asked the um, the manager there, I was like, I, you guys don't have a radio or anything. And if you notice a lot of times in when you go to restaurants, they have the background music playing. Well, he, he pulled me to the side and he said, Nancy, I want you to just wait a minute and just look and listen. And when I did, he said, what do you hear? And when I actually stopped to listen, it was all of these people that were talking. That's all it was. It was just talking amongst um, the people at the table. And she, he said, this is true music. He's like, they are having the time to actually communicate. Um, one, of the, one of the key values that Denise Serrata had suggested that community cafes incorporate is what's called a community table. Now, of course, with the pandemic, it's kind of, you know, can't really look at that. But the, the model of it is, is that you will have a long table to where anybody can come and sit. And so, and there's also one of the things that we have incorporated is to also have like conversation pieces at each table so that you can just pick a topic and just start talking. So it's like the community, the, the conversation is the aspect that he was saying that is so important. And that's one of the things that we strive because um, when we have our pop-up events, the tables, I mean, they'll sit like maybe six or eight people. So of course you're gonna be sitting with somebody that you don't know. And so just to sit back and hear the conversations that's being made, you know, what do you, what do you, who are you and what do you do and tell me about your life. I mean, it's just so beautiful to hear, but that's one of the things that she really wanted to try to make sure that it was a value that was incorporated. She has seven core values and any community cafe can incorporate it how they see fit. But that's one of the things that she felt was important. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful model. It's a proven model. Um, before the pandemic, there were over 50 community cafes nationwide. Now for, for um, Common Ground Cafe, we've never, we haven't gotten to the point to where we have a standalone place. But, um, but we do host community events right now because of the pandemic. It's more of a take-home type thing. Um, where you just come and you take it and it's, it's meals to go. But, um, but we still are trying to incorporate things that they can do at home, like little informational um, pieces that we can include with the, with the meals, just things that might um, generate some conversations. So we still want that to happen, but um, it just won't be on the, the sit down thing right now. Mm -hmm. And I know COVID's definitely, you know, altered a lot of things, but I, I do think you're right. And I, I think in some ways, the idea of the, the common table and the conversation, I think sometimes if you just let people alone, they'll, they'll talk a little bit. 
And I think that as they get going, mm -hmm. they begin to enjoy it more and more and they'll long for that. I think they're at our core, we are social, whether as, as you know, as much as we, mm -hmm. you know, don't want to embrace that fact, we really are social beings. We need each other. And I think when we create that culture, um, for a communication, I think that that is something that is a beautiful thing to to watch. To watch different people come together yes. and you know laugh. There is no sweeter sound than laughter. There really yes. isn't. And I think it's <laughs> interesting as you were talking. I kind of thought about it and I said, you know, when we as believers, you know, when we go to to heaven, there's a lot of things that are going to be different. We're going to leave a lot of things behind. But you know, food's going to be something that's there. It's talked about the marriage yes. supper. And I just thought about, isn't that interesting? That's one thing that we're taking with us because at the table, we're all equal. Yes. It's just, food is just a beautiful thing, yes. you know, beyond all the calories and the extra muffin tops we get out of it. Um, you know, <laughs> we, it's, it is something that just has an ability to bring us together. And you see that there are, when you talk to kids who had a, a home life where dinner was important, they treasure that. That is, Something they look back on with fond, yes. fond memories. And there's a reason behind it because it was conversation. Memories were made, laughter was, was had, and, you know, counsel was given, you know, tears were shed. The, the table is the place that everything where people really feel comfortable to just no judgment. I can just be myself and let it go. And I think that's something that a lot of places are missing today. Right, right. So. And and I, I love how you just pulled all that together because that's that's the true desire that we have. Um, because like you said, food just brings everybody on a level playing field because we all have to eat. We all have to eat. We all have to we all need it for nourishment. We all need it to um to survive you know, might not need as much as we get, but we need it, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and honestly, if you think about it, because I'm a social worker by trade, I, I mentioned that, and um, the thing of it is, is that in my line of work, I have come across a lot of different issues that people have been involved with. Um, I mean, I've worked with, um, I've worked with single pregnant women, who had unexpected pregnancies. I've worked with abused women. I've worked with homeless men and women. I've worked with um, older um, people that were at the end of life. I've worked with chronically ill individuals. I mean, there's so many dynamics that I have been exposed to. But the thing of it is, if we don't help with the, um, the, the basic necessities, such as food, they, they can't concentrate on anything else. You know, if, if they don't know where their next meal is coming from, you can't talk to them about money management or about, you know, positive thinking and stuff like that. You, you can't, it's hard to think when you're hungry. It's hard to concentrate when you're hungry, you know, and there's a lot of kids that experience that, you know, when they go to, before they go to school or when they come home from school, that's why they, they embrace the, the food that they get at school. Cause when they come home, they might not be able to have another meal until the next day. How 
how do you how do you expect them to concentrate on their on their homework you know when their stomach is growling i mean it's it's just so important there's so many people that um don't really have the an, enough food money um they're not earning enough money to to get the food that they need you know and and that's one of the things that we do have misconceptions about with common ground cafe because a lot of people think that we are um, it's like a soup kitchen or it's, it's just for the homeless or it's just for those that are deeply in need. But those, even though no one will ever be turned away, my heart's compassion goes out to the people that were like me. You know, I was working full time, but when I started working full time in the nonprofit um, industry, I took a $10,000 pay cut. And so as a single parent, that's, that's why it was so hard for me to really be able to take my daughter out was because we were on such a tight budget. And there's so many people that are like that, you know, they have to ration between medicine or paying the light bill or paying, um, keeping clothes on their kids or even just paying for rent. I mean, it's so hard. And so it will be so ideal to have a place to where they can get a nourishing meal without sacrificing um, the quality of food without worrying about how they're going to pay for it. You know, if you have um, pockets that are full, then you will gladly pay that because you have an atmosphere that's, that's worth it, you know, and if your pockets are empty, you will be able to still receive the same quality meal that someone with full pockets can receive, you know, so that's, that's the whole dynamic of it. Um, and people question whether or not it can be sustainable. It has proven itself. It hasn't been easy, but from the models that I've seen, they, they are, there are community cafes that have been open for, I think the one in Boone is going on their 10th year. They haven't already hit their 10th anniversary. So it's like, it's a proven model. It's just going to take the community to make it stay sufficient, you know, to stay sustainable. And, um, and I'm grateful for Cleveland County. That's where, that's where we have the, um, our cafe that the model is being established. There are wonderful people in our community that have rallied together, that have supported Common Ground Cafe. And I am so grateful for each and every one, each and every volunteer, each and every board member, because we will not have survived. We are going on our third anniversary next, next month. And even though we don't have a standalone place, we have served over well at last count through through February last year we had served over 800 meals um, and so I am grateful for every person that has helped make that happen some people might think 800 that's not a lot but for every one meal that a person did not have to worry about I'm grateful for that and so as Cleveland County has been a wonderful, wonderful city and a wonderful community to help with Common Ground Cafe to get established. And I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with that. I still work uh, nearby. So I've seen some stuff and, you know, I see the website and I see the Facebook stuff. And, you know, it's important that each of us help. 
you know, and you see that principle laid out in the Bible with the gleaning of the fields, you know, they, the owners were not meant to take everything. They were yes. meant to leave things behind for those that could not um, afford or did not have their own land. They were the poor or the strangers. They were able to come in and get a meal and take care of their family. You see that principle in, in numerous times, you know, it's and uh, laid out very well, of course, in Ruth, that's, you know, very, very, very yes. out there, but you see that um, principle there. And so God did not ever create us to be greedy. That was not his intent. Right. He, he created us to be generous, that those who can give are to give. That is what, and you even see that principle in the New Testament that some people gave out of their poverty, you know, so giving yes. is a trait that is to represent the Christian. We are to give, you know, God set the example by giving his only begotten son, and he has continued to give his love unreservedly. There is no limit. Yes. He has no, okay, well, I've reached my limit. This is as far as I'm going to give. You give as you are able, you give as God leads, and he will always provide, you know, this is where my mom and I, we we're, we're very different. You know, I've, I've had to learn this over the years. I was not a generous person by nature with money. Now I tend to be more with my time. Time is something that I, I do tend to give away excessively. My mom drives her crazy. That's, that's the one side. We're, we're so opposite. We're such an interesting pair, but she's like, Sarah, I need you. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I volunteered to go here. She's what? Uh, there's only so many hours in the day. I know. And I designated this many hours to this people, but then on the flip side, we'll go to mom and I'm like, Hey, where'd that $10 go or that 20? Oh, I gave it away. What? I needed that $10. She's no, you didn't. <laughs> Which she always said, she's, the more you give, Sarah, she said, the more God will give to you. You must yes. be a funnel. You know, if you expect God to pour into you, don't plug your hole. Yeah, He's not going to give to somebody who's going to hoard. Yes. And I think that's a great principle. Now, I do kind of want to address, so how does the model work for people who don't understand it? Do people come and pay what they can? Do they volunteer to get a meal? How does that work? Actually, it's both. Um, the, the true model is where the restaurant does not have a, a price. Um, and so, first of all, you partner with as many um, community agencies and farmers and gardeners as possible. And that helps offset the, um, the cost of the food that you provide. So establishing partnerships in the community is a vital aspect of the community cafe model. Um, the other model is that the other aspect is that you have volunteers. Um, most of the, there's, I mentioned the, the cafe in, um, in Boone, North Carolina. There's also one in Raleigh, North Carolina as well. It's called A Place at the Table. And the thing is that you only have a minimum amount of paid staff and you, you, lay, you lay, lever, you um, establish that um, the offset of the staff with the volunteers. Um, and so what it is, you might have two or three paid people, but you staff the volunteers to help keep it running. And, um, and that's where a lot of the, the volunteers can come from community agencies, from churches, from things of that nature. And so you have a minimal amount of staff and you try to bring in as many volunteers as possible. Um, and then as far as for the patrons is concerned, in order for the cafe to be self-sustainable is that you might have to apply for grants and things of that nature, but you want to have the, the, the cafe to, to such a level to where individuals that will, that have the money, at least 
20% of the individuals that have the ability to pay, they come in through the doors to offset the 20% that can't pay. Because on the average, that's what you're looking at. Now, that was pre-pandemic. So I don't know if the percentages have changed, but normally you have at least 80% of people that are have the ability to pay to offset the 20% that can't. And so that helps with the, the maintaining of the monies. And so um, the people that aren't able to pay, normally you would have them to come in and volunteer in exchange for their meal. And so you will have that option. Of course, things have changed <laughs> with the pandemic and social distancing and COVID-19 guidelines. So, and, and trans, being transparent, we, we're just doing our first, we're preparing for our first um, outreach event since February of last year. And so we don't have as, position, as many positions for volunteers. And we are going to have to go from to a um, um, meal to go aspect. So our number of volunteers are not, um, we won't be able to incorporate as many volunteers as we have in the past um, because we want everybody to continue to be safe and we have indoor um, um, restrictions and things of that nature but ideally that's that's how that's how it would work um, so right now the ones that receive the meals we are not um, we are not asking for them to volunteer things of that nature we, we won't require that but we are actually incorporating more of a streamlined um, um, we're streamlining our target. And so, like I said, even though we have our outreach events, it's going to start back the end of this month. Um, even though we are available to everybody, we are going to start targeting those people that are most in need. Um, not necessarily homeless, but um, maybe the ones that are not able to get out and obtain food. Maybe those that are... Um, um, shut in that aren't on meals, not, not receiving meals on wheels, or maybe the ones that are not able to get up and cook or can't see the instructions to put something in a microwave. Um, our board of directors and myself, we're really trying to streamline our efforts so that we can um, adequately help the people that are in most need, not necessarily homeless, but like I said, the ones that aren't able to really get the nutritious meals that they need. So we, we do realize that we can't help everybody. Um, but we, and I mean, biblically, you know, Christ didn't, he, let me not say that. Um, <laughs> um, there were, there were certain people that he did make his way to, and there were other ones that might not have been, in his direct reach, I will put it like that. So we do have to be strategic in how we serve because we are have we do have a limited amount of volunteers and a limited amount of board members that are working. So we are going to have to be a little bit more strategic in what we can do until we are able to get our actual standalone um, uh, cafe like we still desire to obtain. And I think that's a, a wonderful uh, model. I think it's a great goal. And, and I think, you know, you're right too, even with uh, what we said about the Lord, you know, so I don't, that's been a question. People said, well, you know, how come he didn't heal everybody? Well, you know, it wasn't his plan. You know, he, he came to those that needed him. He, cause you know, above all Christ knew who needed him and he, you know, he, he couldn't heal everybody. Right. So 
when he could, you know, again, we could go down that rabbit trail. Yes, he could, but right. <laughs> you know, you can really go down a, a, just a hole down there, but right. you know, we, we knew what you meant there. And, and you have, um, you know, you reach the people that God sends to you. That's really what you're doing. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly what Jesus said. He says that he, he does what his father tells him to do. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to hear the voice of the Lord to, um, to know where he wants those seeds to be planted. You know, again, it's available to everybody. It's available to, we will never turn anyone away, but, um, but we do want to use wisdom. We want to use guidance from the Lord and to know exactly what's going to be manifested from the seeds that we sow. I think I can say it like that. I think, I think that's true. And I think, you know, honestly, when you think about the, the cafe in general and just, you know, the book of James talks about pure religion, that pure religion is this, that you yes. visit the widows, the fatherless, you know, and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. So that, you know, if you, people talk about the book of James, that it narrows down, it just, it, it's not that it narrows on the Bible, but it almost like it, it's a nutshell of what the scripture talks about. And I think James just so strategically narrowed it down. You want to say, well, what's pure religion? Helping others and keeping yourself unspotted. I really yes. think that's just a beautiful, clean cut there. If you want a list, there's your two, two points. That's it. You know, and, and God would yes. add, you know, because God says, you know, that uh, to love the Lord. So you have the, really those three things that you love the God, you love God, mm-hmm. you keep yourself unspotted from the yes. world and you help others. And really, if you narrow down that, that boil it down, that's really what it's all about. And I think that your cafe really captures a lot of that. That's the the desire. These people are not in it for the money. They are not in it to make a name for themselves, that we're going to be this great chef, that everyone's going to want to come to this little cafe. That is not the point. (laughs) The point is really as, as amazing as the cooks are, you know, but the, the idea behind it is to help others. You put others first that you make sure, because the Bible talks about, Food is a necessity. It is not an extravagant want. It is not an excessive thing. It is a basic need that has been given to us. We need this. Like I said, it's a survival thing. And if we can help somebody not have to worry about where their meal is coming from, I think that that plays a big part in our faith, in giving us a platform to share the gospel. Because like right. you said, when someone's, someone is hungry, they're not going to focus on anything. They, as important as eternal life is, they can't focus on that. They are physically hungry. Yes. And you cannot feed them spiritually unless you feed them physically. And I think you have a beautiful little platform where you are preparing their soul and their body to receive the truth of God's word. And I think that's yes. the beautiful thing about it. So for sure, Nancy... I know that this is, like you said, it's a national model. So I know that um, there's One World Everybody Eats. I know that that website has a a directory of different places that are across the country where if someone's listening somewhere else, they could volunteer or help there. And I will include um, your website and your Facebook information. But how would you, for someone who's brand new to this, that's excited about this, where would you tell them to start? Uh, you mean if they want to establish a community cafe in their or community? Get involved in it, kind of like you know they want to know more. Where would you where would you start them on their journey? Well, um, I, I think that One World Everybody Eats is a good starting point. 
um, because of the wealth of information and the different um, cafes that are connected with them. Um, now, most of the most of the information for the cafes with the one world everybody eats, they are more of the established cafes. Um, you won't find a lot about common ground on there um, because we were not established yet. Um, so, but that is a, a good place for them to start. Um, they have a book that's also available, at least it was on their website. And it has the blueprint of how to establish a community cafe. When I first started, that's, that's what I did. I bought the physical copy of the book and I highlighted that thing like crazy. Um, and they also have a yearly summit they, in January of each year. This year it was um, virtual, but I think it is available for if you are a member of the, um, the One World Everybody Eats. And then also they can they can reach out to any of the cafes that are listed on their website. As I mentioned, Boone, North Carolina, I think they are, are celebrating uh, or did are about to celebrate their 10th anniversary. And um, a place at the table, I think they might be at four years, three or four years, I'm not sure, but that's in Raleigh. And um, and just 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 reach out to the different ones that are listed. Um, if if I can be of help, I will gladly speak with anybody. Um, I am the least knowledgeable person in that room when I'm when I'm with the one where everybody eats. And um, I just and we're still learning. We're still learning, but I think it goes back to what we initially started out talking about, the land of the misfits. Um, I just had a passion to see something changed. I just had a passion to make a difference in my community, and I didn't know how I was going to do it, and we just, we prayed, and we started talking to people, and it's three three years later, you know, so um just just start start somewhere and um and just reach out and try to see what it is and it might not be the food issue whatever what whatever problem that you're concerned about or anybody that's concerned about um i was told years ago whenever you see that there's a problem and it bothers you god has already found the person that he wants to use to fix it so seek him ask him for direction and just allow him to open up the doors. That's the only way that we've been able to survive this year because God has been instrumental in planning the right people in our right paths. And it's just been a beautiful thing. It's been a hard thing. There's been a lot of issues and a lot of problems and a lot of mistakes that I've made and will continue to make. But all God wants is a yes. He just needs to be our, he needs, he needs us to allow him to be our hands, our feet, and our mouths for his glory. And that's all that he's looking for. He'll handle everything else. Yes, yes. And I, I echo all that. And I think that's a great point, Nancy, that just start. I think mm -hmm. so many of us, we, maybe even going back to our self-worth or anything, well, what do I have? You have two hands. Yes. You have something. You have sometimes even just a story to tell yes. that maybe someone needs to hear your story because everybody, I like to emphasize that everybody has a story to tell. Your story is not for everyone, but right. there is one person at least who needs your story. And I think that 
We just yes. are need to get over our fear and just help because I think, you know, like, well, I, I'm not really interested maybe in this nonprofit and that's fine. This right. may not be your thing, but find something. There are thousands of nonprofits that are doing tremendous work that needs somebody yes. like you. And yes. we, you know, Nancy and I, we, we will attest to this. We've been in, in the nonprofit sector for a long time. Nancy has been a little bit more than I have, but we will never turn a volunteer down. <laughs> I mean, that's just right. not, we're right. not gonna, no, we don't. Need we'll you. find something. <laughs> <laughs> we found <Exactly>. something. <laughs> and you know, you may have an ability with even a professional sense, you know, you may have something to provide or can collaborate. And, you know, I know there's been some people who do beautician work, you know, and say, Hey, or, or barbers, I can do a haircut. There's all kinds of things you can collaborate with, with different organizations that need your specific skill sets. So yes. never, you know, just, just think, well, that's not for me. There's something out there. And I think every journey to do something good begins with one step, like you said. One step. It's just That's that it. one step that you've got to start with. And mm -hmm. if you if you hesitate, you'll never take that first step. And you never know where that journey would have taken you. And I think that yes. that's that, that you regret is a very hard word because it's unchangeable. And I I go my mind goes back to because you know I like Ruth, obviously, and I have thought about the life of Orpa. And I wondered mm. sometimes, you know. I, I wrote something on her at one point and I'll elaborate maybe later at some point, but what did she miss out on? You think about, she missed out on the extraordinary because what would have happened to her if she would have followed Ruth? You look at Ruth got a whole new life. She, Ruth just went to care for her mother-in-law. She did not anticipate marrying one of the most wealthy guys in town. And, right. you know, becoming the, the, the mother of the future Messiah that she, she didn't picture any of that. And Orpa went back to her empty life. She went back to her false gods, to her, what was familiar. Familiar. Yes. And you wonder that one step, what would have happened in her life? Because God, I know, I know without a doubt, God would have had something great for her because he would not have forsaken her either. Just that he took care of Ruth, he would have taken care of Orpah and what would God have done? And I always think about that, you know, because we, we are fear. We don't want to step into that uncomfortable realm or unfamiliar territory. We like what's comfortable, but God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to make a difference. And sometimes that requires us to go outside of our realm. So I think that, you know, your ministry is a great start. And I think just in general, go out there and find something, you know, go on this, this one world, everybody eats. I'm going to include the link. I'm going to include a link to that book. And I'm actually, I mean, I know there's some videos out there too, that showcase kind of um, what they, what, what the model is. And they'll, they'll take you inside a cafe. And I think if you just yes. watch those videos, you'll get a passion for it. It's, it's a really neat thing um, to, to be involved in and just watch what it does to people and the transformation. But, yes. you know, I really appreciate, you know, your heart, Nancy. I think that you do an incredible work and you, you've, anything you do is incredible because you're just that kind of a person. You're just so sweet and compassionate and caring. <laughs> uh, Nancy is Nancy's that yes person. You know, we were talking about before we came on air that we're trying to work a little bit on saying no, no is not a bad word, but it's just not really in our vocabulary yet. So we, we kind of get each other when we say we're busy, busy people, but you know, 
Um, Nancy has written a little bit about the Common Ground Cafe in the winter edition of the Sit Still My Daughter magazine. So if you have not picked up your copy, it is not too late. And please pick it up because we like to highlight nonprofits like Nancy's. So she is featured in there and she also wrote for, um, so I conned her into writing for, I got another yes out of Nancy like I always do. Um, <laughs> so I got her to write a small little thing for the new spring edition. So Nancy's in both. She's becoming my superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely pick up those magazines if you haven't and check out the links i'm gonna like i said i'm gonna include them in the show notes but start your journey we were not called to live for ourselves that our if you think that your life is about providing for your family which it is you always take care of your family but if you think that's all it is i, I would challenge you because your life is is built to make a difference for others God gave us our life to give away, to invest yes. it. It will, it's like the parable with the, the men with the talents. The one who hid his talent, God did not commend him for that. Well, right. I, I, I gave it back to you. I asked you to do more. You yeah. know, I, this guy doubled his, this guy doubled his. What did you do? You were unprofitable. And I think if we live our life doing what's expected, we're almost unprofitable servants. We have to yes. look outside of our realm and say, who can we help? My life was given to me. I was given a certain set of talents and skills, not just to invest for myself, to make money. It was given to me to give to others. And I think if we take the time to look around, you will be amazed at the opportunities God provides you with, that yeah. the, the opportunities to say yes. Um, it may not, and, and I think that's one thing, your yes will not look like someone else's. And just no. keep that in mind. It's not, you know, a yes like this person or that person, but God gives you an opportunity to say yes to something that he has called you to and just make sure you say yes. It's like Nancy said, it's just, just say yes. It's a great way to invest your life. So I really appreciate you coming on here, Nancy. And, you know, is there Thank anything you. else you want to say to the people before we let you go? Because I could, I could stay here all day. <laughs> no, I, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. And, um, and just, just, just knowing that um, one of the things that really stuck out with me in this whole journey, um, and I, I did do a, a small little video about that, um, that when you say your yes, you never know what's going to entail with that. It hasn't always been easy. It's been so difficult because of things that have happened just in my personal life. But knowing that I was in the will of God, it helped me to hold on to my faith and you the strength during those difficult times because they will come and they will challenge you. But knowing that you're in God's will will help to buffer the effects of life. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, and I think that is that is a great reminder that you know, just because we say yes doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because I think sometimes we'll get right. frustrated with that too. We're like, well, God, I said yes. Well, so did Joseph. When you watch Joseph's yes. life, he said yes continually. Yes, I will not get bitter. Yes, I will do my best in Potiphar's house as a slave. Yes, yes. I will serve you in in the prison. Uh, it was a yes but he had mm -hmm. the hardest life. You know, he went from yes. that pit to Potiphar's 
house to the prison before he ever got to, to Pharaoh's palace, but that was a necessary journey. And God was with him through every instance. You read it over and over again. And the Lord was with him in yes. house. The Lord was with him in the prison. The Lord was yes. with us. And I think we just have to, I think, like Nancy said, make sure you're in the will of God. When you say that, yes, make sure that, you know, this is a yes that, that God has asked you to say, not a manipulated yes from other people. You, you focus on what God's yes is for your life. And when you say yes, you can, that gives you peace. That gives you confidence to overcome those battles and those storms, like you said, because I know I'm in the will of God. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And there's no safer place to be, no matter how the storms are, there's still no safer place to be than in God's, God's hands. So I think, Nancy, I, I love what you do. I hope that the audience reaches out. There are some questions. And, you know, Nancy is a wonderful person. And she will tell you she doesn't know anything. But that is, that's a fib. <laughs> that really is, you know. Um, she knows so much more than, than she lets on. Um, but and she also has a great heart. So, you know, if she doesn't know the answer to your question, that's okay. Because just spending time with Nancy will make you feel better. Regardless, so that's my recommendation. If you need a lift, just talk to Nancy. That's what I do. <laughs> so thank you, Sarah. But thank you for being on here. Thank you for giving me your time, and I hope that uh, God continues to bless your ministry. Thank you so much. You take care. Love you. Love you too. That was so good, wasn't it? I was surprised when Nancy shared those statistics about the influence of setting aside time to have family dinner. I encourage you to try and implement this in your own family routine. Set aside maybe just one night a week to have dinner as a family, device-free, and encourage conversation with your children. You might be surprised at how much they will look forward to it and how little they will miss their devices. Create that environment where they feel safe to express themselves because they need that opportunity. And I also love what Nancy said about saying yes to God. So often we say yes to everyone but God. Take some time to pray, to meditate and ask God what he wants you to do, where he wants you to say yes. Our life was given to us to invest, to pour into someone else and making a difference always begins with one step. Check out the show notes if you are interested in learning more about this unique prophet. Feel free to reach out to Nancy or do some research about a topic you're passionate about. I promise there will be a nonprofit out there that you can invest yourself in. And if you haven't already, would you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes? And be sure to check out the Sit Still My Daughter magazine. Both the winter and the spring editions can be viewed at sitstillmydaughter.com. There will be a link in the show notes with this link that will take you there and others that were mentioned throughout this episode. Have a wonderful day, my friends. Let's all make the choice to say yes to God and take that first step to making our life count for eternity. Mm-hmm.